Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by founder and CEO of Go Wild, Brad Luttrell. Brad is extremely intelligent and passionate about hunting in the future of hunting. So we discuss some Bigfoot stories off the bat and then get in a little bit of Send It Slam and what that's all about. Lessons learned from turkey season. His article, The Ranella Rebuttal what you should and shouldn't post on social media, and supporting conservation organizations that are fighting for our hunting rights. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck-owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima Overhaul HD bars on top, so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out 
our three bedroom, one and a half bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have one coming from Rich Yoder. So it's funny, I actually ran into Rich down at uh, the Total Archery Challenge in Seven Springs and originally had met him there uh, years ago. So I uh, love hearing stories and getting to meet people over and over again. So this is a, a really cool story here. I couldn't fit it all on social media. So if you saw the social media post, um, if, and if you want to check out the photos there, head over to East Meets West Hunt or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram and take a look at it because uh, he definitely earned this one. But I had to shorten the story over on social media because it uh, you can't uh, fit everything in the, the – um, you can't fit the number of words in the box there. Sorry, I'm stumbling on my words. But so anyways, here's the full story here. And Rich wrote, We headed north in a hurry the day before the opening day of the Pennsylvania hunting season with the hopes of pulling cameras before dark and making it. Since the camp is five hours away from home, we rely on camera intel every season for getting as close to the current movement as possible. With a good number of bucks on camera where a ridge dumps onto a saddle, I decided that would be my spot for the opener. I've often still hunted this area with good success of seeing or bumping bucks, so my hopes were high for the next morning. The first several hours of daylight had absolutely no movement for deer, which surprised me. The conditions seemed to be perfect with the wind I had wanted and flurries on and off throughout the morning. About 9.30 a.m., I saw a hunter walking on the ridge above me. He waved and moved on. Uh, At 10.15, another hunter appeared in front of me about 50 to 60 yards and started clearing leaves to take a seat. I'm three sticks up in my saddle, waving my arms, coughing. I even whistled, but he still sat there. This was 800 yards from the logging road, not even a parking lot. So I found it odd and discouraging for this much human activity. I asked my hunting partner, Justin, if he was seeing anything and if I was going to move, and he agreed to do the same. I packed up my gear and got ready to climb down. After one last hard scan for deer, I lowered my rifle to the ground and Empty chamber bolt closed over the ammo in the magazine, and as as I reached to lift my pack from the hook, I caught movement from my right side. A buck had just trotted over the saddle and was 50 yards from me. I pulled my rifle back up as fast as I could. When I racked around the chamber, the sound stopped him. I shot him right behind the shoulders. He mule kicked and ran straight toward the other hunter. He stopped only after a short sprint and some beach brush. I put another round toward him, hoping to knock him down, but the bullet never touched him. Luckily, at that moment, he started doing the death circle, and just as he was about to hit the ground, bang, another shot goes off from the other hunter who had moved in on me and sat down. I immediately texted Justin asking for help, then got down as fast as I could. When I got to the ground and looked up, the other guy was already at the buck. With a lot of adrenaline flowing, I walked over to him calm but fast. 
As I approached the deer, he stood over it with his rifle on his hip. With my mind racing with a thousand things to say, I managed to keep calm and said, how are you doing today? He replied with, okay. I asked him if he knew I was in the tree and he claimed not to. At that moment, with my build up thoughts, I just blurted out, well, here's just what happened. That buck came over the saddle. I shot him in the lungs and you can see the blood trail. I only shot again to try and knock him down so we didn't have this issue. Then you decided to shoot him when he was falling over. What do you want to do? The man replied, I think my shot to the neck is the one that killed him, not the holes through his lungs. After a quick glance down, he quickly realized there was no bullet hole in the neck or anywhere else on the deer. He then said, you can have this one. You got your work cut out for you because it's a long ways back. I thanked the man simply to keep it civil, and he went on his way. While staying there looking at the buck, I suddenly realized I was still wearing a huge pair of slip-over boot insulators. It suddenly made sense why he kept looking me up and down during our discussion. I was thrilled the plan worked, and I was able to harvest a buck with my grandfather's mountain rifle. He only killed does with this rifle, which was his favorite. The first buck I ever shot when I was 14 was at our camp. It means a lot to be able to focus more time up there these days and hopefully we'll hold success for seasons coming. <laughs> That's such a great story and and uh, also an unfortunate one just having that sort of an encounter. I've always you know been concerned about that during rifle season, but personally have not had to experience that so uh that that's a that's a tough situation there and i'm glad that it it worked out for rich um like i said uh, as i say on every episode send in your stories would love to to read them um and be able to post them up there just bow at east meets west hunt.com or you can just fill out the contact form on the website and uh i post them in the order that i get them so send it over love sharing these stories All right, another news before we get into this episode, High Altitude, which is the Colorado Mule Deer Hunt film, will launch this Thursday, June 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So it's going to premiere on my YouTube channel, which is under my name, Bo Martonic. Head over there, and uh, that'll be going live. The trailer for that is already live there, so you can check that out. It's just under two minutes, so you can take a look at what what to expect from the film. Uh, I, I think this is a, is a really cool one. I think Justin did an excellent job as always putting it together. Um, I'm just really excited about this one. Um, and, and it's, it's a little bit different from the standpoint of it's not just the, it's, it's not just an entertainment type film. Um, so this is the hunt where I ended up getting altitude sickness and being in the hospital. And so there's a lot of information in there, um, from my research and interviewing people, uh, as far as what you can do. So you don't have to be afraid of altitude, but it's something that you should be cautious of. And if you take the right steps that, uh, you can be safe in the mountain. So wanted to put that, mix that into the, cinematic film that justin put together there so i hope everyone enjoys it uh but also i'll be giving away as you'll hear brad and i talk about later in this podcast send it slam vip tickets i'm giving them away uh so you just have to subscribe to my youtube channel so bo martonic like the mule deer film when it releases on thursday leave a comment with your thoughts on the film and you're automatically entered to win. That's two VIP tickets down in Louisville, Kentucky next month to go to the Senate slam. So Brad will go into all the details of what, what that has, but concerts, archery shoots, all these different things. So, 
if you if you're looking to, to be entered to win there, you know, leave a comment and and uh, I, I appreciate you checking out the film and and all of the support there. So, with that being said, I hope everyone has a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Brad Latrell, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. You've uh, you've blown up since I was last on here. I feel like I keep seeing you everywhere. You're, you're writing for everybody now, and you just got all kinds of good stuff going on. Yeah, been doing been doing quite a bit. I don't know if "blown up"s the the right words, but uh, yeah, I guess you keep. I guess I'm doing something right if you keep seeing seeing me pop up in in some places. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even I'm not even on Facebook or Instagram, so that tells you something. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been doing doing a lot of a lot of writing, special. Well, I guess since 2022 started for you guys and Go Wild, and yeah, I've been doing like two articles a month uh, for you guys, and then just kind of keeping up with the other ones as they as they pop up. And I like writing, so it's been fun. Dude, I love seeing this stuff coming from you. Um, it, you know, on our on our side, it's it's uh, super educational. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I um, I like the format with what Go Wild's doing and building out their their uh, blog, if you want to put it that way, on the website and like just building out those stories and from all levels. You know, it was some of the articles I wrote. I felt like were they were a lot more basic than I'd ever had written in a while, I guess more geared towards new hunters. And it was kind of fun to dive back into the basics and just yeah. the ground roots levels there. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah, man. And, and a lot of, uh, of what you said is by design, you know, Braden's trying to get a lot of that beginner level content worked out and try to help people who are new really be able to learn, you know, a lot of what you'd probably teach in, uh, somebody, if you took them out for the first time, we're trying to pull that into written content to podcast content and get that into our system. Dude, we cranked out, um, I think in March we did more articles than meat eater. Really? Yeah. Like the volume is, is high. We, the quality's high. You know, it's a lot of people like you that are, that are helping us. We got Parker McDonald, uh, Eric Clark's helping with some stuff. We got a lot of experts across a lot of different, topics that uh we're working with in a variety of different ways and it's just it's cool man i mean it's finally taking it off of us like we're really good at the tech side but sometimes people don't understand like i'm not Bo, and and like i like to whitetail hunt uh but i wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me to have a blog about whitetail hunting because i'm not that good at it right like i'm the guy that needs to be listening to your show (laughs) (laughs) so so like we created a platform to bring people in but now working with guys like you to get that content out there has been really fun yeah no there's a lot of great people that you have uh writing for you and Braden's done a good job and using that platform that you guys use monday uh to be Mm -hmm. able to organize everything super nice like yeah it just makes it simple i know exactly what to do with uploading it and everything and for people that don't write uh this probably doesn't make any sense to to you but it is it's been it's been phenomenal from a workflow standpoint to be able yeah it's like one of the worst things about writing um for any publication is just the communication back and forth with an editor and basically what the system we use does it just automates the whole thing yeah, no, I, I I think that's I think that's super cool and m- makes it awesome. So I'm excited to continue to write more and and uh, I think 
think you have me slated doing two a month here through the rest of the year. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. And, and then doing some of like the video versions, I guess of it too. So if people yeah. like taking it in, um, through the odd through uh visual and audio, you can go on the go wilds YouTube and some of the, the articles I've written, I have the videos are up there too. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to have that way. And the ability to have those different, different aspects there. That's awesome, man. And I also, I, I don't know if you've talked to Braden about it, but we're excited and hopeful to get to work with you a little bit in supporting your classes you're doing in person. Cause I think that's so cool and unique. You know, um, it reminds me a little bit of Jeremiah Dowdy does those in person classes with cooking. You're doing it more from the hunting perspective overall mm-hmm. in a, in a classroom like environment but where people can come in and ask questions and really get that personal attention i think that's so awesome man like good good for you on tackling that well thank you and i I appreciate you guys wanting to help out and and be involved with it because i i thought you know i've had the idea for three years now and finally getting to do it i was like why didn't i do this ahead of time i was always i'm so worried about like having everything right and trying to get it yeah. i'm glad i just went and did it because like I, I just love those experience-based things where you get to have the one-on-one interaction with people and you can i learned just as much from everyone that was in the audience yeah. as they probably did for me or the other speakers that i had there and i think it's really cool and i'm looking to expand that into other avenues too um with those live events i think it's just i think it'll be pretty cool um i'm more i would like to do one more this year but i if i'm being honest with myself i just need to plan out 2023 and like just yeah figure that to to do it correctly and that's kind of what i talked to Braden about i was like i i do this and then i'll go down to crunch time and i'm cramming everything and i'm like i think it would work better if i just planned it out no, oh, we we get that, man. We're uh, we're we're like experts into jumping into things half baked and and trying to figure it out. It's like uh, jumping out of a, a a plane and trying to figure out how to put your parachute on on the way down. Um, that's how we we do a lot of things. That's how we did the Great American Outdoor Show. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of like sensibly saying, "Hey, we've never done a show before with a booth. We should do like a regional show to get the hang of it." Nope. Went right into the biggest outdoor show, show in the world. Uh, committed to a 10 by 20 booth, not just like a little normal 10 by 10. So twice the booth space um, had to come up with inventory, you know, because if you're going to go up there and sell stuff, you got to come up with inventory to take with you. Um, It was crazy. And, you know, like you said, I ended up learning a ton through doing and we had planned on like you doing multiple of those this year. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't do another one this year. Like we got to wait and just come back to this next year maybe two in 2023 but um that that was the only show that we did this year uh we planned on doing like four and we just it was it was uh well a Braden and i got the flu and i was out for like a full 10 days with the flu and then the recovery of that it was march before i even felt human again oh yeah Um, yeah That left me with like PTSD uh, of the shows, um, but no, we'll be back up for that one, uh, bigger and better. But I totally relate from that experience of like once you got through it, you're like, yeah, next year sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's like for this like two day. Well, it's the Great American Outdoor Show is nine days. So that's a whole different story. But like for my events, like it's two days long. But there was you know two months of just just building out materials and lining things up and scheduling food and doing all this stuff that yeah. was like 
wow, that was a, uh, that was a lot of work. I mean, totally worth it, but I just like, I need to, I need to build some better systems before I, yeah. <laughs> before I do that again. So, yeah, man, um, yeah. you know, once like, you get to a replicable state on stuff, you know, you, it makes it a little bit easier. We're doing this all again with send it slam, which I'll tell you about later, but, uh, you know, the, it's the same thing. We're like, Oh, let's plan a party. And of course it went from like having a couple hundred people in a bar to where now we've got the whole Louisville waterfront and trying to figure out this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I want you to talk about that in a second, but first of all, I got to ask you, did you hear that tree fall? Could you hear that? I, heard some, I did. Is that what that was? Yeah, that was definitely a tree. And when, <laughs> as I was hearing it falling, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is going to fall in my house because it's feel it's like that close. And I just like, I looked down if you heard the as the phone call went through there, but that's my neighbor calling me. So I don't know what the heck happened, but it sounds, Oh my gosh. Tree, tree. Definitely. Do you need to take a break? No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. My, I didn't hear my house crumble, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, I did hear something. I thought you had a dog or something. That's crazy. No, that was a, that was definitely a tree falling, which is weird because it's like 75 degrees, sunny, just a breeze. Like it's not like high wind. I, I don't know, yeah. man. But uh, I, I just, I was uh, distracted by that for a second. <laughs> this is where normally on a podcast, I start pulling out some conspiracy theories about Dogman or Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's Bigfoot. Yeah. It, you know what? It, it could be. They did film a Finding Bigfoot episode in this area of Pennsylvania. Yeah. You're in a good, and you're in a good area for Bigfoot action. Listen, they didn't find him, but he is here and they heard sounds, you know, that's, the, yeah, it's dude. Now, now this podcast will go viral because anything I touch with Bigfoot, you know, it ends up getting a. I just have to title it right. I'll just title it. Yeah. We found Bigfoot. Yeah, or like, uh, did Bigfoot push over this tree on my podcast? Something like questioning it. Yeah, and everybody will show up to see if like if it was Bigfoot, and the answer is always no. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then then you might have a bunch of comments that are like, "Wow, you clickbaited us," but you just go in, you get rid of them, act like it never happened. You're fine. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I um funny enough, <laughs> if I can tell this quick story. Yeah, go ahead. We were in Pennsylvania and that show is nuts. You you've done it. It's like two hundred thousand people normally come through for eight days. Well, on this show, they 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 did that in like five days, six days, something like that. It was the record biggest show they've ever done. We're just talking to people nonstop and a lot most people were cool. I had this guy come in and he was asking me about buying trail cameras and he was trying to photograph dog man and i said you know about dog man and we start talking and he's telling me all this stuff and i'm like dude this guy's a looney tune you know you're thinking like all this crazy uh, like no way well he shows me a trail camera photo of what it was too big to be a wolf and there was two of them and this thing was on its hind legs i assume because it was kind of blurry but it had two huge eyes like eight feet up in the air and and this was in upper new york and then there was another one on the ground uh all fours that was wolf-like but had really big hind legs and it was super skinny and he's showing me this and i'm like that's the most convincing photo i've ever seen of somebody that says this is dog man yeah and i start i'm talking to this guy and he's got all these crazy stories and like i'm not crazy believer into this stuff but i'm like an enthusiast i like it i think it's fun yeah. to talk about I talked to this guy for 20 minutes and um, I ended up being fairly convinced of the evidence pointed to something that wasn't a wolf. I'll say that because uh, it was too big. It was way too big. Uh, again, the, the one on the hind legs was massive. And um, so I talked about this on a podcast that I later uploaded a clip of to TikTok. 
and it went like crazy viral, 70,000 views within 48 hours or something. <laughs> so I, I have just like continued to talk about Dogman on my TikTok because it blows up every time. And people get mad at me, though, because they're like, show us the picture. And I'm like, I don't have the photo. It's on the other dude's phone. Yeah. I, and they're like, well, if you really saw it, you would have taken a photo of it. And I'm like, I just met this guy. Like, don't you think that's weird to yeah. ask some stranger, like, hey, can I take a photo of this? Like, especially the type of guy this way. He's like very conspiracy. Like, I, he's privacy concerned. Yeah. There's no way he would have let me take a photo of this. Yeah. Uh, and but post people it all get over so mad. <laughs> people get so mad of like, oh, you're not going to show the photo. I'm like, I don't have it. I'm telling you about my experience. And that's all I got. But it went super viral. I've continued to go viral on talking about Bigfoot and Dogman, so you should just give it a try. Well, it's funny you say that because I did just – I told a buddy of mine the other day. I said, you know what? I said, my next podcast is going to be about Bigfoot because, one, there's not – you never run out of things to talk about. You always find clues and yeah. you always hear sounds. You always – some there's always the next The thing. suspense will always be there too. Like there will always be Bigfoot TV shows yeah. and things because – the. <laughs> The, I'm, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're ever going to find him, but he just keeps just escaping a little bit, you know, just you, you're clawing yeah, at him. Footage, the footage is always blurry. Yeah, the footage <laughs> is always blurry. So I'm thinking that's my next thing. Uh, East meets West goes down. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but it's going to do something around Bigfoot and, and I'm going to get really into it. I mean, it gives, I, me, it gives me a reason to go out, be in the woods, same thing I like to do with hunting. And just search all these places to see if I can find Bigfoot. I love it, and I've joked that uh, since my my Bigfoot and Dogman and Dogman's basically like this um, evil wolf for anybody that doesn't know uh, that can, that can walk by pedal bipedal however you say it. Um, so it's similar to Bigfoot type thing though. Um, oh, the other thing this dude had uh, I should mention was a f- photo of a, a print. That was way too big to be a wolf. He had a dollar bill sitting next to this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. It was huge. Also, like the other part of the evidence they showed. But in in what you were saying, I've I've joked that I'm going to start like a leadership podcast of like things I learned from Dogman. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody ever does it in, in that respect of like culture and leadership and yeah. workplace stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just think that, you know, this Dogman thing, we're going to ride it off to the moon, you know? I, I like it. Uh, yeah, if you if you need a partner or something, let me That's know right. and we'll, we can work <laughs> through it, so... Um, I'm big, Bigfoot with Bo. There's a good name for that's a working name for you. Yeah, I'm definitely good with that. <laughs> but anyways, Brad, back to um, so for anyone that's listening here, I, I don't want to go through your full background. You've been on here a bunch of different times. I, I just don't want to hear from you again. But no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Brad's a CEO and founder of Go Wild. Is that correct? Is that what yep. uh, your, your title is there? Um, so the you know the Go Wild app. Talk about it here on the podcast. If you listen for any amount of time you've heard it a whole bunch whether it's in the ad at the beginning or with brad being on the show here and um hunting and fishing and total outdoors uh social media app basically created by brad because he hates social media so he created his own social media platform um did did i miss anything there (laughs) no that's pretty fair yeah that's all pretty fair (laughs) but um i wanted to uh hear about um i want to hear about send it slam here first and then i want to ask you about your turkey season because you seem pretty pumped up when we were talking back and forth in emails about your turkey season but tell us about send it slam a little bit Pumped up is one way to say that would indicate that I had a good uh, outcome, but I did learn a lot 
and I got better uh, over the last two seasons, although I've been skunk for two seasons. So, uh, but I had a cool interaction I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, and just things I've learned. I've gotten to hunt with some amazing people over the last couple seasons, uh, or la- really last year, I got to hunt with a couple different guys that were really good. Um, and then this year, I've gotten to talk to Scott Ellis and do some content with him and really learn from Scott, who is interesting because he's always learning. So, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about all that in a minute. Um, Senate Slam. So, um, just, just, context real quick you know go wild is a digital platform and so you you in pennsylvania can connect with somebody in wisconsin and just like you can on any social platform right the thing that we've realized that we would like to do more that we used to do is get people together and give them opportunities to meet other go wild members that was one of the cool things about going to pennsylvania is we had a ton of people coming through with those orange go wild reward shirts or or whatever their shirt was and uh, getting to connect with us and other members. And it was awesome, right? And so we realized like for 2022, it was this was going to be the year that we bring our brand into the real world. That started with an ATA party. It, uh, we did the Great American Outdoor Show. And we wanted to do two meetups this year. Again, thinking too big, we kind of scaled that down to one. Um, it started off as a bar takeover. It's now Send It Slam. Um, Send It Slam is an outdoor festival that involves 3D archery competition. It involves a country music uh, concert, which I'll talk about in a second. We have vendors that'll be there, uh, like a vendor village. We're going to have, um, actually, we just got word today, Black Rifle Coffee is officially the presenting sponsor of Send It Slam. So that's super exciting. They're going to be here with the team. Um, they're going to have, uh, they're, they're ready to drink product on hand you'll be able to come out and meet some of their their guys i think they're going to have a fishing team here in particular um so i'm still working out all those details but i'm going to have the support of black rifle they're going to be promoting the event that's going to be really cool so you can come out and meet some of their guys um bear archery is the presenting sponsor of the archery side so uh it, I, in fact one of the sh- um I don't know if it's one of the, I'm not running the archery side, Jacob is, but at one either shot or at a certain score, you get entered to win a new bear bow, fully kitted, nice. um, which is pretty sweet, you know, multi-thousand dollar value. And then we're going to give away some stuff too, like a Garmin Zero, probably a few other products to people that come through the the archery side. Um, but all these brands will be there. KY Gunco is a, is a big gun retailer, but they also do archery that's going to be here. You can meet them. They'll have a Bowtech, uh, I believe, on site. So... Um, the on at the the waterfront where we're doing the concert, um, we're gonna have two of Kentucky's best breweries. Like we handpick the breweries because we love these products. It's Country Boy and West Six. Uh, you're gonna have five different food trucks to pick from throughout the day. All great Kentucky. Uh, you know, really trying to represent the region. And I'll tell you why we're doing that in a minute. So the 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 food trucks will be there. We have five artists playing throughout the day. Two guys that are from Eastern Kentucky, where I grew up. Um, I know these guys personally. They're great songwriters. That'll they'll start the day, and then we get into uh, a little bit more full full band type stuff. So Abby Hamilton's a great songwriter. Justin Wells is really well known in the Kentucky scene, and then the one that people are finding out about very quickly is Cole Cheney. And Cole Cheney's going to be there with full band. If you're familiar with like Tyler Childers or Sturgill Simpson. Um, you know, any of these really good Kentucky, Chris Stapleton, if you like those guys that come out of Eastern Kentucky, that's what we've tried to represent. You know, the food, the beer, the songwriting is all very representative of this area because Mm -hmm. the plan is that send it slam next year will be one in Kentucky and maybe one in Texas. 
And then maybe the next year we add, there's three of them. And we want to grow it into this regional representation where people can come in. It's a destination that you're going to. You're going to, you're going to send it slam this weekend. I'm going to the Kentucky one or the Tennessee one. And w- when you travel in, you really get a flavor of that community because what is Go Wild all about but community, right? Like we yep. want to give um, a sense of, of place. We didn't want it to just be like come drink beer with the Go Wild team. Like it is that, but it's more than that, right? Like it's it's going to be super fun um, takeover of the the Louisville waterfront. We're probably going to have around a thousand people come through, um, maybe more. I think we got capacity for up to twenty five hundred, but that's kind of the the range we're projecting. Um, on the archery side, just to explain that a little bit because that's what your audience might be interested in the most. Um, you know, sun up till around noon, you can, you can shoot the course will take three hours, 25 targets, at least maybe more, uh, depending on what we, we figure out when we get there, it's 3d, it's going to be a lot of, um, hunting shots. It's not like attack per se, where you're going through all this crazy, like shoot through two limbs and you can't even see the target type stuff. We may do that next year, but we wanted to kind of ease into a course that's just something that everybody can shoot. Yep. And so uh, challenging enough, but not something like it's not like you're going to be shooting 20 yards all day. Um, it's a, it is a fun outdoor course. We just we're not quite going on that nuts level on the uh, you know the the black rifle course. I think Jacob and Braden just shot. Um, the I don't remember which course it was actually attack, so I don't remember to say, but it was like nuts. I mean, they're shooting a hundred yard shots all the yeah. time, right? This is not that. This is more of uh, for your everyday shooter. Uh, you can come through. You'll sh- you can shoot with the group. You pick a knock time. You go through. Just like it's very similar to attack, how it's structured. Um, we'll have a warm up area where you can take some fun shots. You, you know, there's some prizes that you can win on that spot on the spot or get entered to win there at the the distance shots. The bow hunting league is going to come out and help run some of that stuff with us. Um, so we've got that. That's all going on across the river in Indiana. Louisville's on the river for anybody that doesn't know. So it's like a 10 minute drive from where the actual concert and everything is. So that'll be in the morning. You can buy your tickets for that at uh, senditslam.com. I think it's 75 bucks, but that also gets you into the concert. So the archery, the concert, all the brands, all of that's included in that ticket. Um, and then on the, the waterfront side, we'll start off around noon. Um, the live music starts at two, but you know, you can come out have food, beer. We're going to have cornhole. The boy scouts are going to be there teaching kids how to shoot. Um, so they're going to teach marksmanship with BB guns and then raise them outdoors, which is a nonprofit that you're probably familiar with, yep. but, um, just for your audience real quick, it, uh, raise them outdoors was founded by Aaron Crooks and it is a camp that teaches kids to hunt fish shoot like they shoot uh suppressed firearms uh at this camp like it's a it's a very intensive three-day camp that truly teaches kids and and gives them an entryway into the outdoors and a lot of times these are more rural kids uh who who might not or or, sorry more urban kids who might not get as much opportunity at something like that so she's going to be there teaching kids archery so you can bring your eight-year-old and they can shoot a bow for the first time um which is really cool we're trying to make it something i didn't want it to be a thing where dad has to get permission to go like we want it to be something where the whole family can come and have fun with this thing you know yeah so um we'll have 20 brands there i mean uh there's a vip ticket option too which gets you into this like private area with private bar and you'll have upfront seating but really like 30 bucks a ticket five dollars of that goes to raise them outdoors it's a bit of a fundraiser for us too um liquid death uh, mountain water is going to ha- they're going to have their product there so you stay hydrated in that kentucky heat uh but dude it's gonna be so fun i'm super jacked about this event it's gonna be a blast 
Well, it's funny. I just, uh, when you mentioned Justin Wells, I had not heard of him before until my drive back. I just got back from Montana and my brother on the way back was like, Hey, have you listened to Justin Wells? And I was like, <laughs> no. And, uh, so we listened to him like, he's a awesome. Lot. Yeah. He's super good. Like I, yeah. I really enjoy that type of music and he, he's got that Stapleton rasp. Yeah. Vibe, he's got a he's, really good songwriter and guitar, like heavy guitar, you know? Yeah. He's, he's super good. I, that's, that's awesome. And I, I like that lineup as far as like that type of music. That's Right, I guess. Well, I'm I'm from Pennsylvania. So it's not exactly Eastern Kentucky, but it's the Appalachian Range. Uh, sure yeah, you thing. guys, <laughs> I lump you guys in with us because yeah. it's very, you know, from my time, um, the the times I've been to Pennsylvania, it feels like home. It looks like home, even yeah. you know. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I flew in, um, I flew out of Harrisburg and back into it. And the one thing that's a little bit different is Pennsylvania. The mountains will kind of split, and they'll be like a half mile field in places and where i'm from we don't even have half mile like that's not even a thing you know you might have like 30 yards of a field yeah <laughs> uh but that like other than that it's very it feels very familiar to me well yeah that that the southern pennsylvania is like that then you get up to where i'm at in northern pennsylvania yeah. and it's more like from what i've i've only driven through eastern kentucky and i've haunted southwest uh west virginia so like those type like that's a little bit more what northern pa yeah. is yeah. is like um and and also, I, I do want to mention before I forget. So I will be giving away two VIP tickets to that uh, event. Yeah, I'll, you have to to stay tuned. I'll throw it in the the intro here, and then um, also on the next podcast how to how you can win those. But Braden contacted me and wants to give away some tickets. So I think, yeah, man, anything we cool. can do, it will be cool. Anything we do to get the word out is great because this is our first time. Like I said, we ha- we have. Uh, we had no idea how to pull off an archery competition and a, which is why we went to bear. Cause bear goes to all the tax. We're like, Hey, can you guys teach us how to do this? So we pulled them in. Uh, we've got KY gun co helping, um, black rifle is going to help promote the, the event now. So we have a lot of great brands that do this stuff all the time that are helping us. And it's going to be really fun. And if anybody is looking at the, like, well, it's a, it's a bit of a flight or it's a bit of a drive. The one thing I'll say is if you haven't been to Louisville, um, it's kind of a sleeper town for fun, um, for food. Louisville has been named the, the food town of the South or best food city in the country by various publications multiple times over the last 10 years. We have a food scene that's unbelievable to the point where like I travel, <laughs> we'll go to Vegas and eat at like a really nice steakhouse. And, and like we went for shot show and with the one meal, we did this, we dropped like a, almost a $500 ticket between three of us. And I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, it's like, it's, it's back home. We have places that you can do that for half the money. Yeah. Um, it's an awesome food town. If you're into bourbon, it is the place. 98% of the world's bourbon is made within an hour of here. So you can you can go to three distilleries in one day, easy or more, um, depending on if you do tours and whatnot. And so it's no, it's not uncommon. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. 
Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. To walk into a bar in Louisville, like a dive bar, and they'll have 100 bottles of bourbon on the wall. And it's, it's insanity. Like, and, and all these places have good food. There's tons of stuff to do. We have a lot of this stuff listed out on the, uh, the send So you can see and plan your trip and people can also message me, you know, if they want help deciding what to do. So if anybody's listening and, uh, you know, you're, you're considering it, I'm telling you, um, awesome two or three day stay in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Louisville is just an awesome place to go to i've been there three times i think now for the ata you show ATA. Yeah. yeah ata you got to break out and go downtown because they stick them out over to the, the yeah. like fair it's weird yeah uh, i stay I, downtown though and, and i've had some of that good food and, and yeah in uh, the bar scene everything else yeah. it's all it's a whole good time if i think meet, i've seen you uh maybe it's louisville ata actually that we i saw you after maybe a little too much fun at the <laughs> yeah. bar scene one time yeah that was the first time you and i met and we did that podcast yeah. together yeah i don't uh, know if that Indy or Louisville, but uh, either way, you had definitely gotten bitten by the Friday night party scene that gets so many people at ATA. Yeah, it was it was definitely Louisville, and I was uh, <laughs> yeah, I was not in a good spot that morning. <laughs> there might even been afternoon, but I still wasn't. Dude, in a good I don't spot. know if I ever told you, but Jacob and I had a, a meeting with a brand that I won't name, and the dude like he showed up fifteen minutes late for a thirty minute meeting and was still drunk. <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah. yeah so okay i didn't happens. go that i didn't go that hard but yeah uh, <laughs> it happens mobile sneaks up on you it does yeah it's it's a, it's a good time well that's cool i'm i'm excited that that you guys are doing that and like you said i love events i like those experiences I like to be able to meet people hang out talk hunting fishing stories the whole bit like it's just I don't know. I, I yeah. like those types of events. I was just, it's funny when you explained about like you, just driving across the river to Indiana there for the archery shoot. I was trying to picture in my head how you were going to do that uh, downtown, but um, all right. It makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah. The, so it's, it's only 10 minutes away because yeah. you know, um, Louisville's not a big city. Um, you drive for 10 minutes and you, you know, you're, you're, you know, almost in rural areas uh, coming out of downtown. Um, like we have deer that wander into downtown because it's, well, A, they're overpopulated, but B, it's that close to, you know, those yeah. environments. So the, the archery is actually at the sporting club, I can sporting club at the farm in Indiana. And they have this massive property over there with all, they actually have three or four courses of 3d set up. So we, we could expand this next year to where there's multiple courses you could do. We're starting small. Um, but then, you know, it's a 10 minute drive back downtown and we're, we're on the waterfront too. So like it's it, the event is downtown, but it's, it's in like 
you're surrounded by trees. You can see the waterfront there. It's an awesome, and we're on a boat dock. Uh, it's going to be the super scenic, you know, sunset of a concert. So very cool. Yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. Um, I'm excited to, to hear about that and and see where that goes forward, moving to other cities. But remember, slow, start slow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> as we as we've learned. But um, anyways, Brad, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, turkey season and just kind of what you've learned. Um, like you were saying that you got to hunt with some awesome people and get to talk to some different people. Explain a little bit about your experience there. Yeah. So first I'll say I'm, I'm not at all an expert tur- turkey hunter. I've killed like, I don't know, five turkeys maybe um, over my last like six years of hunting them, uh, um, seven years. I don't know, whatever it is. Um so I, I will say, I'm like, you have a lot of really credible hunters come on here. I am not that. But what I think <laughs> I can offer some perspective of is like, I talk to so many people that are like me with turkeys and I've picked up on things that we all do and can easily change, right? The, the, I, I last year I hunted with, uh, to- Tony Caggiano, who at that time had killed 300 plus birds himself and guided 380 some birds and we we sat uh, for probably four hours that morning on a property that I hunt. Um, it's not my property, but it's the, the property I hunt for deer and turkey. And it's in this really challenging environment in that there's a creek 100 yards away, but it's a steep climb, and the turkeys usually end up rest, uh, roosting right on that creek, but a little bit on the other side of the property. So they'll end up often going into the, the clear-cut um, field on the other side. And so I've struggled to pull them out of there and it's hard to sneak in there because then you're spooking them and they end up going the other way anyway. So it's like this, it's a really tough spot to pull. Um, I have killed one bird back in that corner um, and it it was the year before these guys came out. And last year, um, honestly, I don't even feel bad about getting ghosted last year because a lot of my hunts were out trying to get either Chris, my co-founder, a bird, which we did. We got him on some birds with Tony. A lot of that was my time in the field. And then we had a contest winner who came down and hunted with us from Go Wild too. So we were hunting on this field with these guys on a, on a slope that kind of gradually goes down into this, this creek bed. And, um, we, Tony would call and we had three Jake's or probably, I don't know. They were probably young Tom's that would come up and we could hear them at the field edge. Like you couldn't see them yet. They hadn't quite popped out, but you know, they're goblin scratching around, making all kinds of noise. And then a hundred yards up the hill, we would hear this gobble. And if you've hunted turkeys enough, you start to realize like they sound very different, uh, when they get older, right? Like the older birds have this raspy gobble to them. Yep. And this thing was like a gobble, gobble, gobble. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, what? Like we ended up nicknaming this bird Gobzilla, uh, because he, (laughs) he was, he was clearly the boss. So we would get these birds all the way up to us. This thing would gobble once and they knew that it was the big Mac daddy bird and they would leave. And so Tony would start this whole thing over again because we couldn't pull that bird down. He would not come to us. And we're sitting on a field edge, and the whole thing starts over again. Uh, Yelping, you know, Tony's doing a lot of – one thing I've learned is, you know, in our heads, we think we have to be quiet when we're turkey hunting, but and we just sit there and yelp. Like so many entry-level to intermediate-level hunters just go out, they sit super quiet, and they yelp from a blind, or even if they're running and gunning, they're just trying to be super quiet and yelp. Tony – is making all kinds of racket. Because if you've ever been around turkeys, this is what they do, right? Like adding in realism to this, like scratching around with the wing, doing those fly down cackles, all of that 
is really convincing. When you're doing fighting purrs, you know, the birds are literally jumping at each other. If you've ever seen hens fight, they're not fighting and purring with no other sound. It's like that, you start to realize how weird it sounds to only yeah. be doing that without the realism. So that was one thing I learned from Tony was how loud he was with other layers of calling, right? Um, you know, if you're going to do a fighting purr, do it once, but make it real sounding, right? Um, not not calling too... A lot of times I was thinking Tony was calling either too often or not often enough. So one thing I've taken away from talking to him, being around uh, Tony, also got to hunt with Jeremiah Dowdy a little bit, who I think you you know from Field to Plate. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing these guys and, and how they work, I've learned to just really shut up and and let like once the bird knows I'm there and try to let the, their curiosity kill the uh, get them get them in and and the thing these guys have ta- taught me and Scott mentioned this on my last show with him is y- you want to wait 20 minutes but no longer than 30 like there's kind of this window where a turkey's kind of a stupid bird and it's going to forget or get distracted or whatever right like they they do that so um, I've learned to layer that at like waiting but not waiting too long because in the past I think I've waited I've tried to like. Ex- execute this and I'll wait half an hour and that's really waiting too long to, to hold their attention because they get distracted easily. Uh, the other um, thing I've learned, I, I always thought when I got good at yelping, I thought I could speak hen now. And, uh, you know, I remember one hunting specifically that I, I had a Tom with a, a hen 60 yards away from me. I was hunting with my co-founder and I was trying to pull this hen down. And so I came in and I'm just like yelping hard at her, like cutting her off and getting super aggressive. That's what you learn, right? When you listen to a lot of these podcasts or you listen to people talk, they're like, oh, get the hen fired up and the Tom will come. I have learned and Scott talked about this on my last episode that only works about 20% of the time because 80% of hens are not the boss hen and they don't want to fight. Yeah. And so I've actually seen more success, especially this season of just listening to what they're doing and doing it back and, and just speaking literally as a mirror to what I'm hearing from them. And if she cuts me off, now we're on, right? If she cuts me off, then you know, that's now, the boss hen. That's the boss hen. Yeah. And, and that's, like it's taken me all this time to learn. A lot of the guys listening to this are like, "Yeah, no, no crap, you idiot." Uh, but you know that for me, it was a game changer because now I'm not overcalling. I'm calling the appropriate amount. Uh, the I actually did some evening hunts this year. Um, this this was kind of what I alluded to you to you and uh, that uh, when we emailed a little bit, I had an awesome evening hunt. I hadn't really evening hunted before, and I posted on Go Out and I asked like, "Hey." I'm, I'm normally a morning turkey hunter, but I, my schedule this year, I can only get out in the evenings. Give me some advice. And you got like, you know, within 24 hours, I had four guys commented, big paragraph long answers. So I took all of the advice that I learned there, like getting in tight to the roost. Um, you know, turkeys are going to come in low uh, and then go uphill before they go to the roost. If, if that's the environment, if it allows for that, which your, yours would be more similar, you know, yep. guys uh, hunting more uh, flat down south may not have that option. But the turkeys played that to the to the T. Uh, the thing that surprised me in, in hunting in, in the late in the day, I thought they would be quiet. And everybody was telling me they'd be quiet. But I took uh, I got there and, and the gobblers are, are, you know, two hours before sunset are, are firing. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to I was going to yelp every 30 minutes or so because I thought they'd be quiet. But I'm kind of layering that in and they're responding back. And I had to be, you know, really disciplined to not overcall them. And this one particular hunt, man, I uh, I'm sitting on a cr- the creek bed I talked about earlier, and I, I'm I'm I know they're going to come from this one side because I just 
from what I'd learned on where they roost and everything, I, I, I had a pretty good idea where they would come from. And I was right. Um, I'm sitting though on the property line and I've got very, like I could see them way before I could shoot them. Right. And so I, there's this, I'm waiting. Uh, I, I knew I was going to have to wait on them to get into this one spot. And so I, I set up, I had a decoy uh, set up. Also, one thing I, I um, was have learned this year was not using Jake decoys in the afternoon because it's it's just like a buck. You know, you don't rattle at sunset, right? Like most deer I've been fighting all day in a rut, or at least that's what I've been told. Uh, I guess I should ask you that. But like I've been told bucks don't want to fight after fighting all day. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know if there's, would, would you... I don't rattle much, so I can't really yeah. I can't really talk uh, a lot about that, and I, I honestly haven't thought about it really that much as far as <laughs> yeah. later in the later in the later in the day there, and even with turkey. So I haven't hunted them in the evenings much at all. Like if uh, you guys half a can, dozen, can you? We can now. Um, oh, the okay. second half of the season. So actually, as we're recording okay. this, we're still in May. Up until I believe it's Memorial Day when season ends. Um, that's the last two weeks of the season. You can hunt all day. Okay. I actually almost did it when I got back from Montana, but I was too tired from driving um, through the night and everything. But because I'd seen a, a gobbler and was thinking about trying to get in tight there, but I I just haven't had luck doing it. But I also. Uh, I, I didn't know anything. I was doing what I would in the morning basically. So it was, yeah. you know, I was trying to get close to what I thought were the roost trees, but I didn't know yep. enough to, to, to really execute on it, I guess. So I, there's this corner of my property that we hunt that they're always there. And I had been out one more, I went opening morning with my dad and we had a couple of hens come in, but there was eight gobblers all down this ridge. You all down one would fire and you hear him go all the way down this ridge line so i knew they were there um but the the back to the story i my buddy mike from go wild who i fish i've met him on go wild and we become buddies we end up fishing every summer together now and um he he goes he just went to a turkey hunt with uh, Derek, who works in our warehouse with us like mike's mike's a good guy he told me he's like don't don't set up the Jake because at the end of the day they've been fighting all day and they're not really interested in defending uh, or fighting a Jake uh, or another turkey but they always want to breed right so he said take two hen decoys instead doesn't matter how you put them just put them near the roost um, and and kind of coming up that hill where they're going to go to naturally I did that and. Um, as I'm sitting there, these turkeys, there's two gobblers and I pulled up a uh, Spartan forage app, did the whole like measure. And I'm like, they're about 330 yards away. And so I'm, I'm like, that's a pullable bird. And I'm talking to Mike and he's like, dude, that's going to be really hard to pull that gobbler because he's basically set up for the night and is telling the hens to come to him. And I'm like, well, I got no other choice but to try. Um, so I'm calling every 15 minutes. Now I kind of accelerate the pace a little bit. And then I, uh, I let out some Yelp, just soft Yelps because it's late. I'm thinking, I'm like, what would I do if I was a turkey? I'd be tired, right? Like you've been out breeding all day, getting chased, whatever. So just kind of soft Yelps. And I had this hen fire off at 150 yards and coming from where I thought they would most likely be because just because I know that's where I lose birds to most of the time when they, when they don't come to me. And so I give it a second because I was trying to ease into it and I, I soft Yelp back and she cuts me off. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is my space, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we're just tearing into each other. And I, I built up as much as she would let me. If, if she was cutting me off, I might wait a second. And then she would start again to let me know. And then I would cut her off. Dude, she covered 150 yards like through brush 
in probably 60 seconds. Like, I mean, it was like really <laughs> fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, like all this, I heard her and then all of a sudden she is so close that I stopped moving and blinking, right? Like once she saw those decoys, it was that, you know, they say like a string. She was straight to it. She came up the hill just like I wanted, but she got too close. And so it gets to a point where I can't move my eyes because she's she's probably 10 feet from my gun barrel. <laughs> and she, she's coming in, she goes around, and she's sitting at the top of this hill now uh, inspecting the decoys, and she spent forever sitting there. And I can't I, – I stopped yelping because she stopped when she got within 20 yards. And so I'm watching her, and then I, I heard uh, – before she got up that far, I heard the gobbler, and he lets out this big, loud gobble, and I knew it was a mature bird. And then I saw another hen coming in. And this was cool. I had the first time ever seeing hens fight. I'd never seen that in person. I've heard about it. I've heard mm-hmm. her. You, you, you know, I, I just haven't seen enough hen action to really. Um, I, I'll see like multiple hens, but I'd never seen them fighting. So that other hen came up and went down to where she's now sitting below the the drop off at the creek, uh, below the decoys and the the boss hen. And then I see this turkey come in, this gobbler, and dude, he's all puffed up. He's spitting and drumming. He's doing the dance that they oh. do. Um, dude, he's coming in and I'm like, this is happening. This is happening. My heart rate went up when I saw, or when I first heard him. And so I'm just sitting there trying to like not get too antsy and I have a window that I need him to step into of two trees that have fallen together uh, because I, I'm thinking he would follow the boss hen and he started to, but that other hen threw it off. And so the boss hen, like once he got to a stopping point with the other hen, she, she goes down and they start fighting. I mean, like full on purring and everything. It looked like fighting cocks. I'm from Eastern Kentucky. So I've, I've been to uh, <laughs> uh, see this. Uh, but if you ever seen roosters, like when they, they jump up and fight, that's what the hen fights look like for anybody that hasn't experienced that. It was super cool, dude. I mean, they were making so much noise. I was loving every minute of it. The, meanwhile, this gobbler is just like very proud of the fact that he's got, you know, the boss hen and his other hen here hanging out with him. Well, finally, the the, the hens start leaving, and I'm like, I got I to gotta do something. This bird's going to leave, and I'm going to lose my I'm, – I'm also sitting here thinking, like, I only have two days left of my season uh, that I could hunt. So I kind of accelerated my timeline here. I checked with my rangefinder. I did not see anything clear. Like uh, last year, Mike posted on Go Wild that he actually shot a tree that he didn't see. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to have that embarrassing story. I checked like three times. This bird was at like 37 yards. I decided to shoot it, pulled the trigger. The bird falls sideways and then jumps up into the air sideways. Really weird looking. Like I'm like, that bird's hit. And it flew off like flopping real weird. And I'm like, that's a dead bird. He, there's no way that bird's taking a shot at 37 yards and going to make it. And then it just flies up and it vanished. I mean, it like I'm looking at it and it was just gone. I'm like, I'm almost thinking my mind played tricks on me. So I start texting Mike. I'm like, dude, I just screwed up bad. I don't know what happened. I, I might have shot some brush or something that broke up my shot. That's what I really think happened was something must have been there that I couldn't see through my rangefinder. And because that the shot hit the bird, the bird fell and then flew. Um, but then. Mike's like, just look low. It's going to look for something to crawl in to, to hide, like yep. l- look low. So I'm looking and I'm looking all along this Creek bed, um, not finding this bird. I go get my car so I can off- offload my stuff. Cause it's getting dark and I'm walking and scared the bejesus out of me. The bird didn't go down. It roosted. 
and huh. it exploded out of this tree. I probably would have shot it out of the tree because f- for the ethics side of it, because like I w- I would have thought the bird was injured, yeah, and I wouldn't have wanted to leave it. I would have thought the more ethical thing to do would have sh- to be to shoot it, even though it's on the roost. Um, normally I would not. I mean, I think there's some states that's legal, but that's like a questionable ethical, yeah, for me. Uh, but I would have shot this bird because I knew it was injured, or I thought it was. This thing exploded out of the tree as they do, super loud, and it flew off straight as an arrow. And I'm pretty sure that's the same turkey that was there like five days later when I did make it back out for one more hunt. Same beard length and the boss hen was still with it. Everything seemed totally fine. So um, what I did learn, I have learned that mimicking the hens at their pace is by far the best way to get, get them interested. If you if you go into aggressive, you're going to scare off the other hens anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so So like that was the lesson learned for me. And then I just, I swear to God, this is almost like my deer story, uh, which I don't know if I've heard or told you, but like bur- making sure an animal's within range to where you can clear the shot uh, and, and know. But also in deer season, I learned to make sure that they don't have spikes because I shot a spike thinking it was a doe. In yeah, deer you told me. <laughs> yeah, 110 yards. It, this thing had like pinky size antlers, and I had passed on this bucks six times in season because he's little you only get one tag in kentucky and and spikes count um so but when his ears were up you couldn't see the his he he, they literally laid on his head they like laid flat back there's little spikes and i couldn't see him when his ears were up and i thought it was a doe oh that's you know and that's in so in pennsylvania we're not allowed to shoot spikes but they do have a rule that i think it's it's either in their three inches or four inches and it doesn't count is yeah. the antlers that's, so that's it was something that's what most line. states have kentucky i i should have called the game warden and asked if i could get like uh, ask what the real it reads very vague but it seems like if it's an inch it counts uh, so it's very which is like an inch of antlers is probably all that maybe two but they were so thin dude i mean it's <laughs> like this it's like this mic cable i mean they're, yeah. they're like two we, we nicknamed them toothpicks because that's what they look like poor guy yeah. I hate to be called that, you know. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I like that's his legacy. But I, I mean, this deer just didn't have good genetics. He was never going to be more than a little forky. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. No, that that's cool. And I think what's 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 neat about that is like you know even no, you're saying like oh you know I'm not the best turkey hunter or whatever. But what you did was learn picked up these things that like the experienced turkey hunters may just do and not think about it like. You know, like I always think about yeah. this when I talk to my dad, who's a way better deer hunter than I am. And I like, I, I listen to him and like, he'll say things and I have to like pull it apart and like try to get him to yeah. think about how, why he d- does things or, or that, that oh, to a lot of these of guys, it's, it's, they think it's innate. Like they feel like, like, oh, it's common sense. Um, you know, Tony's a great teacher, but even hunting with him, there were times where I'm like, what are you doing? And he would tell me, uh, you know, uh, you, I, I'm going like adding in realism, like I'm like, dude, you're making a ton of racket. And he's like, this is what they want to hear when they're purring because they're usually fighting, you know, um, things that he wouldn't even think about. Just you, you start to pick up when you're around. This is where like, it's one thing podcasts are great to a certain level, but there's things for people forget to even tell you, right? Yep. Like they forget. Uh, that's why we, we have you doing the entry level stuff that you're doing is because people don't think in a lot of these conversations to mention things like that. Yep. Um, scent, scent control on whitetail is one of just playing the wind. You hear playing the wind all the time. Well, if you're a newbie, what does that mean? Yeah. Right. Like I have no idea. Right. Like I remember that when I first got into whitetail hunting, cause I didn't have a mentor on well, that's really the whole journey of go wild that I talked about on the first time you and I did a show together. 
was struggling with that question of like, what does that mean to play the wind? You know, I'm like trying to figure out of, of like, do I want my wind crosswind? Is it in my face? Like, you know, you, 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 these are questions newbies have, right? Yep. Um, well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with a buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. So anyways... No, that's it's, always learning, man. It, it, yeah, I know. I, I love it. And, and I, I just, I mean, that's a big reason why I started this podcast is like, I just want to continue to learn and learn more and do that. And when I was bear hunting, like that was brand new to me. I'd never done that before. Like it, I felt like a complete newbie hunter yeah. and just trying to like figure all this stuff out. And I, I think it's super helpful to, to just ask those questions why, and then try to, see what uh, actually see what you're seeing not just see it and forget about it but you know ask those questions why and try to try to make correlations to it and that's why hunting's a never-ending chase really it's just uh you're always learning so much of hunting is confirmation bias and that we see something and we think we know why it happened so we confirm and yep. so set up a trail camera and it is okay i see deer are here so this is a good spot to hunt well we don't take into account the behavior of the deer at the time we set up that camera where they are in the summers we're not where they're going to be in rut right yep and you may luck out and that deer may may run off and come into your area but from talking to like bill thompson bill thompson every time i talk to that dude i get like you know, I, my mind explodes with how much deer knowledge he drops on me. Um, but, you know, you, you start to learn like it, it is a lifelong pursuit and there's always someone in, uh, that, that knows more and can teach you more, which is, you know, what I, I probably love most about my job is just getting to to meet people like you, like Bill, like Scott and be around this. And it makes me better. You know, it's kind of funny. We're all selfish. Like I talked to you, Cody Rich, like you guys both started your podcast so you could learn. I started a platform so that I could finally have people to talk yeah. to. <laughs> but but that drive, you know, has brought people into our ecosystem where you can learn this stuff from. And 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 you know, coincidentally or or uh, uh, all mutually beneficial to our audiences, they get to come along for the ride too. And that's what it's all about, man. It's trying to trying to help people 
figure this stuff out. Cause if you, if you just went out into the woods after, you know, you could spend six seasons hunting and saying, I saw the deer here on camera. They were supposed to be here and never understand what Bill knows through data, you know, oh, yeah. from his tracking. It's like, you would never figure that out. No, Bill, Bill that's what, when he was uh, one of the presenters at my event and like every, like he just blew my mind and I've talked, I talked to Bill like daily and like it, he just blew my mind with the stuff he was saying and everybody else was like this is like incredible and even some of the other presenters i had there that are extremely experienced hunters were like wow this makes sense on why i was seeing this or the yeah. you know or just, it was just yeah he's such a wealth of knowledge there and and i love learning from him and and others but yeah you know and, and that's that is what's cool about you know, there's, there is a lot of negative stuff that's surrounding information being put out on the internet, you know, whether it's through social media, through go wild, through anything, you know, people, you know, giving out this information, but I just see so many, there's, there's definitely negatives. Don't get me wrong, but there's so many positives that are, are given out in that. I, I wouldn't have, you know, been able to find out that I could actually go on a Western hunt without being rich. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, right. if, if there wasn't for that information out there, which kind of changed my life trajectory and like, I'm so thankful for it. And I think that utilizing these types of tools is, is something that can, can be really beneficial if you let it, but in, sure. in the same, in the same respect, um, which is also something I wanted to talk to you about is like, cause you, you wrote a, a really good article that was kind of the, the Ranella rebuttal there, but just talking about, um, you know, with, with social media, um, whether that's go wild or that's anything else on how, how we're portraying it and, you know, the whole killing for content and all that other stuff that's surrounding it. But one thing that I've been recently passionate about is trying to figure out how to not really just recently, but just recently got fired up again was like, all right, how, how can we portray ourselves in a better light to, you know, to the non hunters and all these different things or someone that may be on the fence. There's the antis that you're never going to be able to, to really do very much for. Um, and you know, you and I talked about it. We, you've said that people have kind of considered go wild is like this echo chamber, which that's where it's a good place where you can, you know, right. do things without as much. What's well, good and bad about it. Exactly right. And, but I think there, there, you know, there's conversation about like how, how we can do a better job at portraying specific things instead of just being like, Oh, you know, we're hunters and this is just what we do and expect people to understand it. Or unfortunately we're not in an age where, you know, we are in, in some of these bubbles all the time to be able to do that. And there's, there's a lot of things that can negatively, uh, affect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go wild is not going to change the perception of anti hunters. No. If you're in our platform, right? Like you're, you are in a bubble but it's a bubble that we designed to exist because for average dude on Instagram with 300 followers asking like, Hey, how do you play the wind? <laughs> Just to use that generic yeah. question we talked about, like he's not going to get answers on that. Right. But if you post it and go out, our system is designed to help him. That's what it's built for. We, I, I am, I'm passionate about talking about what you're talking about with uh, like that Ranella rebuttal. Of um, And that came about when Matt Ranella said that, you know, hey, um, we should stop following hunting influencers. We, sh uh, we shouldn't post anything we kill. And we need to stop talking about hunting on social media. 
Um, he said that on the Blood Origins podcast, and then he went back on or went on to Meat Eater and doubled down on it. There's the Free Range American article. Like his opinion on this is really well documented, right? And so I started getting people like, "Hey, you own a social media company, and this guy's saying that we don't need social media and hunting." And I kept getting that, and kept getting that, and it's like, okay, I'm going to write something to respond to this. Uh, I didn't want to do it because I knew like to do it right, it was going to take forever, which it did. Yeah, it's a long article. Um, <laughs> it, it is, and there's a lot at stake there, and I wanted to not screw it up. And I wanted to be respectful of Matt, too, and not turning it into um, in picking apart him as a person. Because um, I think he's – I don't know him. seems really smart uh, from interviews I've heard him on Mediator in the past before this controversy around him kind of came up. Um, I, I believe him to be really smart about this. I don't think he's thinking – um, about the overall perception of hunters though uh, like he's taking one action and saying we just shouldn't do that which is posting the dead animals right the the challenge is and and i struggle with this because i told you i don't or i said it out of the gate i don't have facebook or instagram so i realize there's a little bit of um uh what am i trying to say uh this is a little bit um counterintuitive what i'm going to say but we need to be on these mass platforms sharing our story because if we are not telling the good hunting does, who's going to, you know, we, we only create a void for anti hunting campaigns to come in and to tell people what hunting is. And we don't want that. And, and we can't make them stop. So by, if we want to share the other aspects of hunting, we got to be a part of these platforms. And again, I realize this is a little hypocritical and that I'm not even on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, that's a moral choice for me. I just decided last year after all the, the, really the wall street journal convinced me to, after calling out that Facebook, you know, uh, is empowering drug cartel recruitment that they're, uh, 6% of teen suicides are attributed to Instagram. There's like, I mean, the list goes on and on and yeah. on. And I just said, you know what? I'm out. I don't even like these platforms anyways. Like it's just all drama. So I stepped away. That said, I do try on, um, I do have pretty good influence on my LinkedIn account. I have, uh, I built up, I'm starting to work on TikTok and which is interesting. Cause you could say like, there's a lot of problems that are very similar on both of those platforms. Like if I mention firearms on my LinkedIn account, I get 43% as much reach as normal. Like I have that documented. I have a tool that measures keywords and stuff and like they're throttling me. I get throttled when I talk about guns. I have to misspell it or like allude to it in some way uh, to be able to get reach, right? TikTok's even worse. They use artificial intelligence to scan your content. And if it's got a gun in it, it could get deleted or you might just have your account outright deleted. They're very aggressive in that. Yeah. But I, I, I see it as like, I don't need to show the gun or the bow on my TikTok account to tell you about the things that I think are underrepresented. So cooking. I talk about cooking all the time on my, my social media content. Um, I just posted on LinkedIn over the weekend about my venison tacos I made. And so people are seeing an aspect of hunting that nobody really talks about unless you're a wild game chef, right? Like talking about the food I get out of that and I fed it to my kids. Like I try to do that often. Um, the, the other thing I think people forget about is just talking about the pure camaraderie and the adventure and the fun of hunting when we don't get anything. I think we really suck at that part of the story. And, you know, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with posting photos uh, and saying like, this was an awesome day and like not, you don't have to say, but didn't get anything like that's, that's continuing to build onto that narrative that we only hunt for sport, that we only hunt for, for the, uh, the, the horns or the antlers, you know, um, 
to layer in other aspects of that story is really important. And that's why I totally, that's why I wrote that article. And that's and if you read it, uh, it's like 3,500 words. It's a, it's a great like multi toilet read <laughs> might yeah. take you a few times to get through. <laughs> but, like, I think you'll see the way we bring, I, I, I really tried to use data um, to, to highlight why this is critical because these platforms are the most powerful communication tools that have ever been built. And, and, you know, for us to just completely remove ourselves from it, we might as well go ahead and give the humane society the rights to just go ahead and uh, run with it, you know, because that's what they're going to do. They're already doing that. I mean, if anybody is, and hopefully they are, a, a member of Sportsman's Alliance, all you got to do is open up your weekly Sportsman's Alliance email or go to their blog, and you can see all the fights that are being taken to hunting. And if we don't post and represent this well – then they get to drive that narrative. You know, this is why the bear bans happen. This is why Michigan can't hunt doves or, or sandhill cranes because these stupid campaigns that are completely misinformed. You know, one example, and I can't remember exactly uh, all the details, but um, you know, the, the, these these camp, anti-hunting campaigns will often lump in stuff that's not even true, um, like saying that uh, there was a bill out west that said that you know, uh, with the passing of this bill. Um, I think it was Arizona, they wouldn't be able to hunt jaguars. And it's like that, that wouldn't be a thing no matter what, because they're, they're there's the numbers aren't there. Right. Like, uh, but they, they throw something like that in to inflame people be like, Oh no, we don't want you hunting our big cats. It's like, that wasn't even possible in the first place, but that's the narrative they drive and they, they're, they're better funded. They're better organized than, than hunting. Um, and, and we have no way to compete with it if we're completely removed from the situation. So yep. um, I think I just rambled a little bit. I don't know if I hit like the, the question no. there, but that's essentially like my stance on the whole thing of why we have to have some outside force besides just go wild. No. And, and, I, and I do think, I think, I think you hit on some really good points there. And it's like, so telling that story and like, that's, so for me, it's like, all right. And you, you have to look at it. I mean, as the people that are non hunters, they do put animals in like a hierarchy. And there's certain things that need more of a story to it. So like, for example, when I went on this bear hunt, bear, bear hunting is a touchy subject. So yes, did I share, you know, the photo of the, the dead bear that I killed and stuff? Yes. But now like, I mean, at the point of recording this, I have staged like seven different posts written up that explain the whole process of going through yeah. it and the camp aspect and going and just the whole background on that. And I think that, and not just saying, oh, what I'm doing is the right way. It's just trying to just have a mindfulness of it. You know, like, for example, another thing that's really under a lot of heat is trapping. I'm a huge proponent of trapping. I think trapping yeah. is a very useful thing to do, but I do think there's a lot of people that trap that don't portray it in a great yeah. way that can be uh, detrimental to their own thing that they love. Like you can't, it's, it's, it's just like double-edged sword. Like, okay, yes, they, they can, they have the ability to take it away from you. And we are seeing oh, yeah. that. So like, you, you can get as, you know, you can be as uh, strong armed as you want in your opinion and what, and you may be right, but you have to figure out a way of not necessarily dancing around it, but just making sure that as you're telling that story or anything that you, you do it a little bit cleaner instead of, you know, posting a video of the animal in the trap as it's, you know, screaming or doing anything in that aspect, you know, don't don't do that like try to question like is this something that looks good or doesn't and you know I, and i've went back and forth in my mind on this a lot of times of trying to figure out what's right and what's not and this is just my opinion but i think i think we need to uh, 
you know, I feel like I get into this conversation once every about year or two, it seems like on the podcast, maybe it's every year now, but like of just like continue and things keep evolving and there's more forms of content going out there and figuring out how to, to tell that story a little more where it's different. Like I post something and go wild. It's like everyone understands they're, they're yeah. all there for the same reason. It doesn't, and I still like to tell the stories cause that's, that's the fun part about it. You know what I mean? Like that's, everyone can relate to the stories, but I, I think it needs to be emphasized a little bit more on the outside uh, aspects, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or whatever that, that might be. Yeah. People, people, I, I dude, I took some flack over that article you're talking about. Um, I mean, there were some people that really didn't like what I had to say about it because they don't feel like hunting's at, at, at risk. And I have one guy blow me up on go wild, um, who was upset about it. And, um, and he felt like I was making a problem out of, I asked him, I said, do you not feel like hunting's at risk? And he said, no, I don't. I feel like you're being dramatic about this whole thing. Um, that this isn't a problem. You're solving a problem that doesn't exist. And I was like, literally go to sportsman's alliance and you can see all of the legislation like i don't have to make this up because here it is right there these are all the lawsuits that are against hunting that they're fighting for like go give them 35 dollars today to help fight this right like that's that's the only way through people think that there's going to be this vote in their heads that hey should hunting exist yes or no and it's not how we lose our hunting rights. It's bear bans. It's trapping bans. It's and it's usually like bear hunting with dogs. Okay, that's gone. Spring season with bear or fall, whatever it is. You know, it's it's little by little, and it's not even the death of a thousand cuts. It's like the death of a hundred blows. That's really more of what this looks like over time because it's it, it, you know cutting uh, your time turkey hunting in half, you know, things like that are, are, you know, if, if the biologists don't say it, that it's necessary, then where's it coming from? And a lot of this legislation is not state recommended from the biologists, no. you know, it's coming from emotions. And so, you know, um, I, I had a lot of people that didn't like the fact that uh, I said that hunting was too white, which I don't even, uh, that one surprised me because it's like 97% white and that's not the makeup of our country. So if we want to, in some of this, maybe they're just racist, but the thing, the reason I advocated for that uh, was, is that if we are going to win these fights against the, the animal rights activists, we need better diversity at the polls. We already have the old white dude vote like that part, that part we have under control, right? Yeah. We need, uh, you know, the, to get Latinos, we need to get more women. We need to get more blacks. Like all of these things, uh, give us diversity in the polls. And that if you convince, uh, you know, one group to come along with you, you just expanded your voter demographic and this stuff lives and dies at the polls. And so like, I don't know how, like really to me, that's not a complicated thought, but you know, I took flack for that. People don't like to hear that hunting's too white. Um, but all of this stuff is, is very real. It's again, just go to sportsman's Alliance and look at the things that they fight for you every day. And I honestly, if people aren't members, they should be, it's like the NRA of hunting rights, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they, they very much are doing legislation and, and fighting a lot of, I mean, I'll even say a lot of the things that other nonprofits take credit for doing, 
started with and ended with Sportsman's Alliance legislation. Yep, and I agree. And and I um so it's one of the things that this year and my I always each quarter I donate three percent of the sales off my website to a different conservation organization. And I added Sportsman's Alliance into that this year as awesome. I became more familiar with them and what they're doing. And I think they're doing a great thing. I think Hal, the new organization that popped up there is doing a great job at I don't know that one. Hal.org if you look that up. Okay. Like, they basically make it super easy to contact your legislators like oh, cool. you, they they you fill in their form and they send it out to all these nice. different ones depending on your region and really useful tool anybody that can help out these organizations like so the hard part is like as i've be, as i've tried to become more um i guess well versed in knowledge on these things one is depressing it's difficult and i think a lot of people just like to turn their heads and act like it yep. isn't there um but you can kind of be in the middle there and not have to be completely directly involved in everything. But by supporting these organizations, they help do that for you. You know, I I, I'm a, I believe you should be as knowledgeable as you possibly can on these things and be able to speak on it and be able to understand it. But also, you utilize these organizations that are built for that purpose, um, but help them out where you can, I think, is, is such a, a useful tool. Yeah, man. I mean, the more funding we give to those groups and, and, you know, Sportsman's Alliance as an example, um, you know, they, they are doing the lobbying to convince people and they win a lot of fights, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's, what's crazy is like you, you, you look at how much they do with how little they get, um, you know, that, those, that money matters. I, I can't remember exactly all the details now, but the Biden administration was basically like negotiating with uh some of these animal rights active i can't remember again i've slept since then this was a couple months ago i immediately went i was like i don't even remember if my um i was actually on recurring membership but i didn't realize that i I accidentally bought another membership with sportsman's alliance and i I like tripled it i gave him like a hundred dollars instead of 35 uh the same hour that i read that article and they contacted me and they're like hey uh you're already a member and you signed up again i was like keep the money just like it's all good like i yeah. love what you guys do you know and that's it's it's money that like you know um i won't notice it but i know it's going to good good use like i feel very good about giving money to sportsman's alliance and you know groups like nwtf where it's it's so apparent that it's going w- what you're fighting for yep yeah nwtf is another one that, that i donate to too because i think they're an, an a great organization and and but what that 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 whole thing about the the Biden administration and dealing with the animal um, rights activists and basically a lot of it was um, there was a little bit of um, as any news article is clickbaity stuff that had to do with like the titles and stuff with it but I wrote an article on that for Spartan Ford. I saw that that's so, right and, and it might have been your article that I I don't remember I saw yeah, something I, and, and I, and I remember dove, looking at yours and I dove into it in a lot of detail because that. It just pissed me off uh, really bad when I first read it. Sportsman Alliance put out the initial like news thing on it. And then basically I wanted to dive into it more. And Bill was passionate about it. He's like, what can you do to get me this article tonight? Like, he's like, we need to get this out. So I, I worked with him on it. And, um, but anyways, and I had my brother, I subcontracted my brother to help with. He's, he's a gunsmith and he's very uh, up to date on, anything I do with firearms and some of their allegations with lead and all these different things. And he studies it and had credible sources and went through basically how they just like tossed all this stuff in there. 
that made people yeah. like like what you were talking about earlier made people think that that oh oh my gosh like all these animals are eating all this lead and they're dying right. and like and where all the the places that they had listed that that they were trying to basically make hunting not allowed they already had lead bands there so it was like it was like one of even though that the that's what I was saying with the jaguar yeah the same same exact thing and once you dive into these issues it blows your mind that it can even do that. But again, it's driven off emotion and it's trying to, to elicit this emotion. And we are the, the minorities when it comes to, um, I, I guess in the, the voting polls there. So I don't know, I could go, go down a rabbit hole on that all day, but I guess the long story short of it is like being informed on these things and supporting these organizations that are doing the fighting for us Yeah, for sure. is, is super helpful. Yeah, uh, and Sportsman's Alliance and NWTF are the two that I most consistently give my money to. NWTF is great because they are focused on just good habitat, period. And good habitat for turkeys is good habitat for deer. Yeah, uh, There's other great organizations. Um, there's actually, you know, from a conservation perspective, we have plenty in the hunting space. Um, and I, I won't name other names, but there's lots of them out there. I don't, I just don't have enough affiliation or knowledge of interior yeah. workings, but I think they're probably still really great organizations, but I know into WTF deeply. We've worked with them for years. Um, friends with a lot of their higher ups and have seen, I mean, it's just, they saved the Turkey. Like that's, it's like, it's, it comes down to they, they've done it before. Our numbers are now kind of questionable again. I think they'll do it again, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I just believe in that organization. That same thing with Sportsman's Alliance. I know Brian and, and Evan over there, uh, two Brian's over there, and I've seen what those guys do firsthand. And I've got a, a – if anybody really wants to dig into Sportsman's Alliance, I think it's episode 70-something on my old show, Restless Native, which you were on. Yeah, uh, We don't do that show anymore, but it's still live. You can go back and listen to it. Um, and the those guys sat down with me for almost three hours and talked about how all of these assaults work and and assaults on hunting and and how like they really broke down the strategy of the humane society, which most people are surprised to find that the humane society is is the driver of this. They're thinking like, oh, my local humane society, which saves puppies, it is not that. It is very different uh, as a, a over as a national organization. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and yeah, I another one to mention that I've found has been really good is the National Deer Alliance. Um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, incredible. Um, you know, formerly NWTF, like they, that organization does some really cool things, and I've got to know some of the local chapters and like doing more than I even knew that they did. You know what I mean? QDMA, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Formula, formula, you said yeah, WTF, said it, but, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, just, just clarifying for the audience, the yeah. WTF still exists, uh, but the National Deer Alliance, uh, yeah, I know Lindsay over there and they do great work too. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. And, and, um, I actually, uh, I'm planning on getting them on the podcast here shortly oh, awesome. and, and talking through with them. I, I think they're just a really good organization. I always thought of it with QDMA. I just thought I was always a member, but I always thought it was mostly like, private land management for deer yeah. and that, and there's a huge part of that, but there's so much more, um, for the white tailed deer that they do and for habitat and on public lands, private lands, everything like they're, they're a, a really cool organization. So I thought my first perception of that when I first learned about that organization was, uh, that it was like build big bucks and that's not, what yeah. like it's, it's like the per- and perception for me was just like, Oh, quality deer management. You're trying to breed the biggest bucks, but you talk to these guys and they're so in the weeds and so knowledgeable. Um, 
and and it's really just again it comes down to just build good habitat right like they try to build good habitat period that uh for for your region and and that translates to good habitat for you know everything down the food chain so yeah then the national deer association just like builds and gives so much knowledge to people too to understand and you know that that not only you know are you getting like these big antlers by you know letting other ones go if you want to it it's comes down to okay this is why it's affecting the herds and it's and it's they're not like shoving down your throat like you're a bad person and you shoot a one-year-old buck or anything it's just giving you that education to understand what your part in it is and i i think that's i think that's cool so Lindsay thomas is uh one of the guys i also had on restless native and he he I, I remember that show like real time learning how, as he was talking to me about, um, you know, breeding habits of deer, even as much as I've hunted whitetail, I learned a lot. Just like you said, if at your events, you have some of these guys step up and just start dropping knowledge and you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. But, um, so anyways, Brad, I, I think, um, is there anything else that you think of that you wanted to touch on, you know, from that article or anything else? I think, uh, I think we dove into it pretty good there. I just, I, yeah, you're, I, I love when you get fired up about something, um, because you're, whenever you get passionate about a, a subject, when you write, uh, something or anything, it's always well-written. Anybody can go check out that article I talked about. I'll throw it in the show notes or just, uh, time to go wild.com. And then you can find it there, um, as well. So I, I, I think people should check that out and read through it and yeah, make your own judgment. And if you don't like it, just yell at Brad. I mean, it's that's the, right. The best I'm thing to, to do is when you don't agree with somebody is just to beat them down, yell at them. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I definitely had some dissension on that, but most people were in agreement. Uh, you know, and what's funny, I think a lot of people, from the positioning of having a rebuttal to Ranella, which is what it's called. You can Google rebuttal Ranella and you'll probably find it. Um, but a lot of people thought that I was disagreeing with everything he said. And I'm, I wasn't. I actually lay out the whole yeah. killing for content problem that he's so dead on. That happens. Yes, it and, does. And, it, and it's gross. Um, and I know people who are um, influencers that like, the ethics are not even just questionable. They're just bad. And, uh, so I actually, there was a lot of things I agreed with Matt on. And again, it's not, this is not about a Matt versus Brad thing. I don't know, Matt, Brad, I, he doesn't, he probably doesn't even know I exist, but, uh, you know, the, the, the point was more of this idea that we should vacate social media is a bad one. And yep. it's not like it, it's, it's, we need to have as much of a voice as we can on the platforms that we have presence on and just tell that story more holistically. I think if, if everybody just starts there, like forget, like forget tackling the grip and grin, right? Like let's not even go there. Just show the rest of the story, man. Like there's 99% of hunting is not that moment you killed something, right? Like so much more goes into it. There's all, all the archery prep. There's, there's all the scouting. There's all the trail camera photos. There, there's all the times you're usually I'll hunt I'm not, I mean, I'll probably go out 20 times in a good season when I can go out enough. And so that means like literally one twentieth of the time, do I kill something in yeah. your season? Right. Like, and you, you probably go out more than that. Cause you, 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 you're, um, a lot of your content's coming from that. You, and you're, you're like 
trying to push the scouting and everything, uh, you know, the educational side. So you have yeah. to go out and show people this stuff. So you're probably at like one, one hundredth. Oh yeah. One, yeah. One not, percent, not a good, right? <laughs> not a good. Well, percent. no, but I'm saying your time in the field, yeah. you're out there more than I am. Cause you're teaching people. Um, I'm out there just selfishly trying to get some venison to eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, but still it's fractional and yet that's all we talk about. You yep. know, if we just added in the other stuff, half the problem is fixed now because people can't say, well, you just did it for the the antlers. I mean, the, dude, there's so many people out there that don't understand that people eat white-tailed deer. I mean, that is like a common perception in people that don't hunt at all that find out. They're like, oh, I thought you were a trophy hunter. You know, you'll see that pop up in Instagram threads and stuff. You're like, what? And they're like, yeah. you don't even eat the meat. And it's like, I don't know anybody that shoots a deer and doesn't eat no. it. Like- <laughs> and I, I spent, I try to spend time even just one-on-one if I can with anybody. Like when, when I, I go and I, I was around my girlfriend's friends that are not hunters at all. And I was on the way to go to this bear hunt. So like that was right away, like hard yeah. topic. And I, I, you know, I sat there and I talked to him about it and explained it and they were very receptive, which Maybe they're good people, but like it, maybe if it was just behind the the screen name, that would be different. But uh, yep. having that conversation was not really that difficult, and it and it went over well. And just doing those things when you can, and and I don't know, there's just there's so many little things that we can do to help ourselves rather than this whole like just shut down everything. And, and I, I liked what you, what you said, like you did in that article, because it wasn't just a Matt Ronella sucks type of deal. It was, you know, because there is things that, that we can learn from what he wrote, you know, as strong minded as he is on it. There was a lot of things that we could learn from. And a lot of things I reflected on from that, that article. And I, I think, I think we need to be open-minded and at least listen, uh, even to the, the other sides, you know, sort of deal. We have to and, and, and make our own opinions or, or reflections on it and, and not let your ego get in the way. Nobody's mind was ever changed by uh, leading in with shut up, you snowflake. And that's like so much of what happens in Instagram threads or Facebook or whatever. So if people will reel that in and do what you did with your, your, uh, Girlfriend, fiance, what? Uh, sorry, what was the relationship? Girl, girlfriend. It, okay, sorry, girlfriend. I didn't mean to. <coughs> hopefully, she doesn't listen. <clears throat> Edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Edit that part out. Uh, but you know, that with their friends, you took the time to explain. Now you can't do that online all the time. You know, if yeah. you get twenty comments, you, you can't do that realistically. But you can at least stop being a dick. You know, that's like so many people are just so rude and, and, you know, again, shut up snowflake or, you know, I'll do whatever I want type stuff like that's not helping anybody. No, no, it's not. I I totally agree. Well, thanks Brad again for coming on. I, 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 thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. It's always good catching up with you and chatting and hearing hunting stories and whatever else. So it's, it's always, maybe we'll get you down to send a slam. Uh, possibly I'm supposed to be in at, attack in colorado oh, during that time oh that's right but um there's there's a chance i may not be going and if i if i'm not i'm gonna try to make it down to send a slam so all right yeah but i yeah i i wish 
I wish I would have knew about it earlier if you would have been better at planning. It's all I know. I'll just push We're back not, on you. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I'm it's kidding. totally right. It's totally <laughs> accurate, uh, dude. I, I didn't even get into it, but uh, this was such a nightmare for us that this is our fourth venue that we're on because we kept losing our venue. I would get a verbal agreement and then we would lose it. We get a verbal agreement and then we would lose it. We got a verbal agreement, and we lost it. Finally, fourth one was a charm. Oh, so gosh. we're we're horrible at planning this for a reason. It was it's been hell. But uh, real quick, if anybody wants tickets, uh, send it slam.com. If they want to join Go Wild and they have it, it's downloadgowild.com or you can look us up in the app store. Yeah, definitely check it out, guys. And thanks again, Brad, for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.